0: the one thing that you've got to understand is that you will always make more money by focusing on helping the people that you've already converted, give them more of what they want. And if they already trust you, they're going to want to buy more from you. So there's a difference between niching and really kind of leaving things on the table and niching and having the confidence to say right now, we can't do this. But the vision is that eventually this is how our business will look.
1: Welcome to episode four of season eight of Live in the Feast. I'm Jason, aka Rez, helping you grow your business by having a conversation with someone who's been there, had success, and built a business designed around the life that they want to live. That's Live in the Feast. If this is your first time listening, hit that subscribe button so that you get notified every time a brand new episode drops. Live in the Feast is in your podcast app of choice. And as always, if it's not there, let me know. I'll get it there. If you've heard the show before, go ahead and leave us a review on iTunes or go ahead and drop a comment in your podcast app of choice. Today's co-host is Mark Asquith. Mark is the CEO of Rebel Base Media. He's also known as that British podcast guy. I wanted to bring Mark back onto the show. Yes, he was a guest in season Five, episode three, where he was sharing his tips on overcoming fears. But I wanted to bring him back so that we could pick his brain a little bit about how to create a vision for your business. If you're like me and have all these ideas and things that you want to do and explore in your business, well, Mark has the answer to that. Since Mark has seemingly done it all with podcast websites, Captivate.fm, Podcast Success Academy, as well as coaching, I knew that he'd have a story or two to share about how he's managed to set course into the industry of podcasts and be successful at planting his flag and in a number of offerings. Well, in this episode, we dive into why playing the long game is so important and how to sit back and be patient and see how the market reacts. We also talk about leveraging what you're doing internally and how that may be able to solve bigger problems in the market. And finally, Mark's gonna share why this phrase sits behind everything that he's done. Solving one problem, not doing one thing. This is a really good one. So here's Mark and myself. Hey, feasters! Welcome to another episode of Live in the Feast. I am super excited to have Mark on the show. Welcome, Mark. How are you doing, my man? You doing well? Yeah, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. You know, at the time of this recording, end of April, mid April. You know, things are things right now. <laughs> you know, just moving forward. So, I uh, hope all is well by you too.
0: Thank you. Yeah, not doing not doing bad at all. It's uh, it's weird, isn't it? We're recording this on on April 20th, which is insane because. Where the heck has April gone? Like, no one's been out at all during April. And wait a sec, the entire month just disappeared faster than any other month, which, like, there's, there must be some science in that somewhere, dude. I don't know what's going on with that, you know?
1: Yeah, I don't know. I feel like it's like March 84th, to be honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just in the, the realm of, like, I mean, my wife went out food shopping and, you know, over the weekend, and I went out the last time we needed food because she was feeling under the weather. And she said, you know, I haven't been out since like almost a month, like 28 days ago was the last time I was out. So yeah, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy. But um, yeah, I mean, I'm excited to have you on the show here because this season's all about building business. And, you know, especially nowadays, a lot of developers and designers have always asked me like, you know, how do I diversify myself or how do I get other revenue channels and things like that? And, to each his own, really. I mean, I love doing the services work. I'm always going to do that stuff, but I do coach and mentor people. And I have a couple of digital products as well and things like that. But you've been in the client services game. You have obviously a podcasting course and academy and membership, as well as a full-fledged SaaS with Captivate too. So you've run the gamut of Everything that anybody ever wants to do. Right. So I love to get into it a little bit here and talk about it. But, like, how did you start down this road of entrepreneurialism? Entrepreneurism? <laughs> that, I think that's right. One of them is right.
0: Entrepreneurialism. You've made me think
1: about that. I'm, I'm not asleep now tonight.
0: Do you know, it's a funny one. Like, I'm, a, I'm just a, a weird guy. Like, I'm quite outspoken with things which I think that the same kind of part of the brain that makes you quite outspoken means that you don't tend to stand for letting problems pass you by as well, which has led to a lot of businesses, you know, just to, just to add a bit of context into what you said earlier, you know, I, we run a, what is essentially a, a, a recurring revenue service business with podcast websites. We run a, a membership with the podcast success Academy. We run SAS with captivate.fm and all those are bootstrapped. Like none of those have had investment we also do run a client services business with the studio, the recording studio and the editing and production arm, but we also run a an actual invested angel invested startup, which is really stealth, really quiet. So like we, we quite literally have like almost every type of business that you could think of. And I've done coaching in the past and I've never really thought of myself as an entrepreneur, an entrepreneur and I still don't. It's, like what is one of the most frustrating things that I see people doing is define themselves as an entrepreneur before they've made any money. Mm -hmm. And I'm sort of, I just run some, I just have some businesses. Like I'm a small businessman. That is it. Mm -hmm. But I think that the part of me that was, that's always so outspoken is the part of me that's caused me to create these businesses. Cause every time I see a problem and I think to myself, well, I could probably do something about that. I tend to do something about it. So I've been certainly in business since about 2005. Mm -hmm when I just got so annoyed, like very quick version of the story. Like I I used to work in data and and admin and kind of like financial services and pensions. And it was dull as dishwater. I mean, it was, it was crap. And I remember I was, I was earning about 19 grand a year and I was 21 at the time. And I thought like, you know, this is in 2003, 19 grand a year, 21. That actually wasn't bad in the day in England. (laughs) So that's what $24,000. In fact, back then, mate, it was like $35,000 the exchange rate was insane but we'll not talk about that it's a <laughs> depressing story but i got this other job so we 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 live sandwiched between two major cities in the uk we live between sheffield where the studio is now and leeds which is they're, they're pretty much equidistant and i got this other job in in one of the other cities i was i was living in uh, working in leeds and i moved down to sheffield for this other job and i got paid an extra 2 grand a year hmm. so i was like well this is cool i'm i'm whatever 20 21 years old at this point I got this new job. It's two grand a year extra. This sounds great. And I turned up on day one of that job. So the brand new job, full of beans, even got a new shirt, turned up and it was the same crap, man. And I lasted less than three hours in that job. I just put my pen down and walked out and just, I told the guy, his name was Graham. I Graham. I just said, look, mate, I'm not coming back. I said, this is pointless. I've been here three hours. I'm not letting anyone down. This is crap. I'm out. And I remember It's funny because now we go, not that I'm an alcoholic, but we go drinking up that road where the office is because we're now in Sheffield and uh, I walk past the building very, very often. And I always remember the same walk. And I called two people on my way back to the station that day. I called my mum and I called my dad. Uh, My mum and dad are separated. And I called my dad, who's always had his own business. And he was like, yeah, good shout. Well played. Crack on. Don't worry about it. You know, we don't know what will happen, but something will happen. And then my mum, she was the, not the polar opposite, because she was very supportive, but she was like, are you kidding me? What are, we, what? What are you going to do? And it was always amazing to me to have that kind of, uh, that juxtaposed set of opinions. And that was, that was, I suppose, when my quote unquote entrepreneurial journey began, when I just, I quit that job and I had no idea what I was
1: going to do after that. Hmm. Wow. So you started your first business on the heels of that.
0: Yes, yeah, so I, I did. I suppose I did start. I suppose I did start my entrepreneurial journey on, hot on the heels of that, but it wasn't, again, I, I still feel uncomfortable even saying that. It wasn't, it was just, what am I going to do next week? So I started hmm. working with my dad, who was an electrician, still runs his own electrical business. And a couple of things happened. The first one was I started earning a little bit more money. So I, I started an apprenticeship and I was earning decent money after that. And I did that for maybe like seven, eight months and got a fair, I was very lucky to get a fair chunk through an apprenticeship and I just started earning semi-decent money. But what really amazed me with that was, it was me being able to control what I was earning. So it was not like, okay, you've got to do nine to five and we're going to tell you how much we're going to pay you. And I always struggled with that. I could tell you a thousand stories about me arguing with managers, about them basically being idiots. And it was the first time that I'd ever felt kind of free. Um, and then I, I, like I, I was a bit of a blagger back then. I'm always, I've, I've always got the confidence, I'm sure you have, and I'm sure many of your listeners have listening to this can relate to it. I've always got the confidence that I can do something and then just figure it out afterwards. Mm-hmm. And I've got, I've got this really weird habit of just diving into things and thinking, oh, I'll figure that a bit out later. I didn't realize until about 10 years later that Richard Branson actually quoted that. He says, just figure, say yes to something and figure it out later. I had no idea. I just lived by the seat of my pants at that point. So I, I got this training contract where I would train the Ministry of Defense, the National Health Service. Like I ended up with this really high security clearance. I was escorted around what they call them, like barracks, you know, like armed forces bases with, uh, you know, with guys with shotguns and machine guns there. Me. Like I got to that level of security clearance and it, this was on a contact, contract basis all through just blagging it saying, yeah, I can teach people IT. And that's like, that was the next thing I did. So I quit my job, did six months apprenticeship as an electrician, eight months doing that and then blagged my way into this job. But this job, it was a day rate. Mm. So I was like 23 and I went from earning 20 grand to just shy of 200 grand. And it was, dude, it was crazy. Mm -hmm. So in this really short, dense amount of time, I had all this experience of, wait a sec, it's not how many hours you put in, it's the right type of hours. Mm. And that's, that's when I, that's when I started billing. Like I was a freelancer, I was billing for my time and for my for my work, and then the businesses, you know, the solid businesses where it's, it's either client services or uh, monthly recurring revenue or SaaS business, like all that stuff came later. But the first taste of of quote unquote entrepreneurship was was that mm. like finding a contract, blagging my way into it, really delivering very well on it. Like I did that for about five years, and that was from blagging it. I, in fact, I'll tell you a story. The first thing that I did, this is a big lesson to learn the first paycheck that I got, so I blagged my way into this contract earning like 200 grand a year. It was, just, it was an insane day rate. And um, <laughs> the first thing that I did with the very first paycheck, I did two things. Number one, I went and got a mortgage approved. Number two, I reinvested that entire first paycheck in getting qualified in the stuff that I was doing. So I mean, like I was a, I was a business change project manager. So I did a, a training qualification. So I'm, I'm a certified teacher and trainer. And I did a big project management qualification back then that was the first paycheck. I didn't keep any of the first paycheck and reinvested that. So it was kind of like, yeah, of course I can do the job, pay me to do it. And then when they paid me, I was like, I'll get qualified in that thing that I said I can do. So I did that, which is a huge lesson. That was a huge lesson that I learned very, very early. Um, And then, then I gave it all up and I went back to earning 20 grand a year.
1: Things certainly have changed. Our world is completely flipped upside down at this point in time. And I know that at some point in time, we'll all be allowed back out into the world and meet up at events and masterminds and so on. Bottom line though, is is that what makes us human is our ability to socially connect and communicate with one another. As a podcast host, I have the pleasure and honor to speak with amazingly smart folks like Mark and learn from them just about every single week that's why i bring this podcast to you every single week well i also wanted to make learning from like-minded people running businesses trying new strategies and grow together as easy as possible for you as well as other developers and designers and creative professionals creating client services welcome feast club and don't worry You won't have to pony up your entire first paycheck like Mark did. This is one of the big reasons why Feast Club exists. Another is that there are plenty of stale articles from 2008 on the web giving you advice on how to run your business and double your revenue. As a Feast Club member, you'll be a part of a community of like-minded developers, designers and other business owners looking to build predictable income and systems to grow your business. Support and confidence from everyone inside of the club helps you make great strides in achieving those goals that you set out for when you started your business. This is a private community that is sharing stories and strategies, resources for marketing and optimizing, pricing, selling, and building services. Ultimately, it's a safe place for you to share ideas and get support. You'll get access to a private podcast as well as bite-sized pieces of content that I'll be sharing regularly, including things that I'm working on. This is all for just $5 per month. Yep, $5. Not your entire paycheck. You'll also get access to a private Slack community, a monthly Q&A, as well as virtual co-working sessions. So, if you want to check this out and join a community that is growing leaps and bounds at this point and built on the saying a rising tide raises all boats head on over to feastclub.co today and yes you did hear that right it's only five dollars a month for limited time and that limited time is for the foreseeable future but if you join today, you lock that price in for as long as you are a member. I hope to see you on the inside of the club, but now let's get back to the conversation. It's funny, you said like, you know, just figure it out, right? And that's always been my kind of thing too, right? Like I'll, I'll say yes to anything, And then I'll figure it out. And, you know, the thing that I struggled with was the leap of faith from moving from a full-time into my own business. And so really it was opportunities that presented themselves to me to try full-time for the first time, right? And so like back in 2002-ish, when the whole internet.com thing fell in on itself, I was working for a consultant firm at that time, which I got just very similar to your your story about you know the defense and all the rest of it was i just said yeah to the job and they hired me and then i figured it out right and so long story short they laid me off because it was essentially a body shop and we were just writing code for any startup that was out there and so once the startups dried up then there was no need for us anymore right and so I was like, hey, I got a skill. I can do this. You know, let me try this myself. Right? And 18 months later, I had no business sense. Right? So I had no, no way to you know, do sales and marketing. Like I had the, the skill, the implementation side of things. And so, you know, I went and got another full-time job, but I was like, I'm going to figure out all this other stuff because I know I don't want to sit at somebody else's desk like you. Like I have a mouth. It gets me in trouble sometimes, right? Like if we share a beer, I'm sure we're going to have stories back and forth about what we told our ex-bosses and things. And so, so for me, you know, it came to 2010 when the opportunity presented itself, I couldn't take that leap of faith without having that safety net. So I was essentially building a full-time business while working full-time. And so it got to the point where I was burning the candle at both ends, but then I left. And so it was like, Hey, I now have a roster to fall on tomorrow. Now, let me just figure out how to formalize all this stuff. And much like you, I think it's super smart too. And I've heard this from other folks as well, is that that first project that you get in, instead of taking profits, putting it in your bank, buying a laptop, this, that, and the other thing, reinvest that, whatever that means. Like if you have to learn a new skill, if you have to get a certification, if you have to, you know, whatever, hire a friend who has a skill that you have just so that you could pick their brain for a day, that's super I don't know, super important, I think. And that's what I've done over the years as well, especially with like Drip and ConvertKit and certain platforms that, you know, my clients need. And so I've said, hey, if they need this and I want to do this stuff, then I need to know it inside and out. I think that's super important. So with that being said, you have the recurring revenue model with Captivate, you have the (laughs) membership site, you have all of these things. How do you then go ahead and figure out what each day looks like? Like you've got to have a lot of pans in the fire.
0: Do you know what? That's a good question. I actually saw a blog post yesterday from a uh, competing podcast hosting platform. I'll not mention the name of it, but it's, it's not one that either of us use, but it's, it's another one that's kind of of the ilk, like one of the newer companies. And it was kind of hilarious because they'd, uh, they'd said something on the lines of, oh, it's from the same team don't know why they put air quotes because it's quite literally like you could look up the legal documents that show it's me and Kieran that are the directors of the businesses. It was like from the same team in air quotes as podcast websites and podcast success academy. I was like, all right, weird air quotes, like weird flex, but all right. So they wrote this thing out saying, look, Mark is CEO of X, Y, and Z. Wow, they sound busy. Like slide don't use them because they're too busy. And that was really interesting to me because it, it was it's one of those things that I think people underestimate. So think this through. You wake up in the morning, you go to the gym, walk your dog, you cook your lunch, you put some stuff in the slow cooker for dinner. You maybe do your day's work, your morning's work. Then you go downstairs, you eat your lunch, and then you come back and you kind of get some phone calls because you've got to sort your car insurance out and your house insurance. And then your, your partner needs a little bit of help with something. Oh, you've got to sort that decorating out for the weekend because the decorator's coming. You've got to clear the room out. And then on an evening, you know, you do, you play a bit of Xbox or you go and go to the gym again, or you see the kids, you play with the kids, or you go to the driving range, like you do all these different things. And no one ever says, how do you manage to get any work done? You Just do your normal day-to-day life. And the thing is, one of the challenging things that, that I think a lot of people try and think is in order to be niche, I've got to do one thing, not solve one problem. So what I mean by that is that we started all of these businesses by creating one business. So we created podcast websites because it was the easiest thing for us to create off the back of owning a design agency. We had a digital agency, you know, we worked with Bosch, Adobe, New York Times, all from this little office in Barnsley. When we started podcasting, no one was doing WordPress for podcasters. No one. So we created this business. But in order to help with retention for that business, guess what? We created an internal academy. We built a podcast hosting back end in 2013. So actually we're not doing any more than anyone else. All we do is we stick them in boxes. Captivates the hosting. The academy is this. So that when someone wants to use one part of the ecosystem, we've got upsell opportunities. And number two, we have the ability to say, well, look, this is very specific for you. Now, to get back to your question, that's a little bit of background. To get back to your question, how do you decide what you do day to day? It's easy. There are only three types of tasks. Very easy. Quite literally only three types of tasks in the world. Important, interesting, integral. They're the only types of tasks that you can do. You do the important ones. That's it. So you do the important ones when you've got the, you know, the the chunk of willpower on a day. Like my gets to one pm, mate, and I'm out. I'm done. I have got no. My brain is fried. I'm done. So I'll I'll make sure to do the important tasks, the real big game-changing tasks, the stuff that moves the business forward. Seven am to one pm. Then I do the interesting stuff to refuel, and then I do the integral stuff like billing chasing up, I don't know, accounting, all the stuff that you have to do, like legally obligated to do. And guess what? You right now Res, you're squarely in the interesting category. Like you're the, you're a person that's lifting my willpower up right now so that later I can go and sort out a bit of paperwork that I hate doing, but you've given me enough. Like you've, you've given me enough momentum to go, do you know what? I'm going to get this thing done that I don't like doing. So I've just done an hour res and it was brilliant. Nice. So it's it's very simple to actually manage it. And one of the things, like I said, right back at the beginning of this very long winded answer, when people say you have to niche or niche, um, what people assume is that you've just got to do one thing, which is fine, but that's not to say that you should never do other things. So what you have to do when you're trying to do more than one thing is find out the problem that you're solving for us. Very simple. We help people launch and grow their podcasts. Very, very simple. But we spent two years building one product, Kieran and I, both of us working 15 hour days to build a product, then hire a team for that product. And then guess what? We did it again. So we stepped away from that product and let the team run it because they're all brilliant at what they do. And we then built Captivate. And we did that again. We did another two year stint, 15 hour days, but just focused on Captivate. And guess what? Sam, Ethan, Pierre, Judy, Allegra, they all work on that. And Kieran and I, we work on it, but they're the guys day to day that really hammer it and crush it. And guess what? Now we can, you know, we build productivity and podcast success. So there's, that's the way to do it is there's so many people that are willing to look just at this surface and say, well, you're doing too much or you're not niching enough, but they, you've got to trust your vision. Like Sam came in earlier and uh, she said to me, we've got a guy that's wanting a second website on podcast websites. And I said, okay, that's cool. Yeah. 20% discount on his second site. And she said, it's brilliant this because he's an academy member. He's using podcast websites twice. And he's a Captivate user, runs all his podcasts on the uh, the Captivate podcast hosting platform. I said, that is great, but it's always been the plan. And one thing, you know, this is a business oriented season. And the one thing that you've got to understand is that you will always make more money by focusing on helping the people that you've already converted. Like we know that acquisition is more expensive than retention give them more of what they want. And if they already trust you, they're going to want to buy more from you. So there's a difference between niching and really kind of leaving things on the table and niching and having the confidence to say, right now, we can't do this. But the vision is that eventually this is how our business will look. And that's what you've got to have the balls to do. Not easy because everyone's going to try and stop you, but you know, forget them.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Keep moving forward. I love that. So I do have four different questions in my brain off of that back of that. But before we get into that, I love to ask this question of of guests, because for me, it comes full circle always like whatever we're talking about, whatever we're hearing, the discussion that we have. When I hear the answer to this, I can always lead it back in my mind like, yep, that's exactly there's an alignment there. And so what for you has been your defining moment in life so far?
0: So there were two moments and they were both very closely related. I did a TEDx talk a couple of years ago and spoke about this in a lot of depth. That was a great talk, by the way. Why, thank you, sir. I appreciate that. Uh, So if you saw that one, which actually I remember us talking about it when I did it. So the hot dog story was the first one. The bottom line, very quick version of that was when I was a kid, I went to a school disco and uh, not realizing that in order to get food at this school disco, you needed money. I thought it was just free my parents didn't have any money. So I didn't have any money to get a hot dog. I was in the line and I had to give the hot dog back in front of everyone. Like it was gutting. So that taught me very early on that I never wanted to feel like that. But what I did then res was I related that to money. So I thought I need to earn money. I remember earlier I said to you, I gave all the 200 grand a year up at age 25. I was 25 at this point to go back to earning 20 grand a year or less than that. That was because the second part of that story well, the second part of that lesson took, I don't know, 18 years to come to fruition. So I was seven when the hot dog thing happened, which taught me and defined that I never wanted to feel like I didn't have enough money to do something again. The second part of it was when I got to 25, I was on 200 grand a year. I was putting invoices in, like ridiculous invoices. I didn't have anything to spend the money on, Rez. I didn't know what to do with it. So I saved it. And one day, the manager of this place that I was consulting for, she said to me, I need you to be at this place, which is a three hour journey away. I need you to get up on a winter's morning at 5am and drive there. And there's no real need for you to be there, but I just want you to be there to justify your day rate. And I was like, well, I can be at home on call like I am and save the fuel, save the time, be a lot brighter. And actually I'll do some other stuff for you as well. No, she wanted me there. And I was like, nah, I'm out again. Same day. I was like, I'm done. See you later. And that was a second defining moment was that that feeling that I had when I, was with the hot dog, it wasn't about the money. I thought it was but I had the money at 25. I was earning the money. It was actually about the control. Someone dictating how I should feel. So those two defining moments, even though they're 18 years apart, were very, very, it's like two sides of the same coin. Mm -hmm. And I didn't realize it at the time. So they were massive things. That's why since 2005, I've not worked for anyone else. It's why for the longest time, I think I only got a pay rise like three months ago from being, I don't know, 27? Like 11 years ago, only got a pay rise because we reinvested everything back into all the businesses. And Kieran and I said, we don't want to take any money out of these things. We could do this, but we'd rather hire a designer. I'd rather hire another support person or rather keep the money there and do something with it. Like go to podcast movement and not just go, but really bloody go. Mm. So it's always been, it's always been this picture on the long term, and it came from those two moments. So mm. yeah, that's probably the first time I've put those together like that, actually.
1: Yeah. No, that's that's great. I mean, two sides of the same coin. I have a similar story, which I'm not going to dive into, but very similar. Like I'm 42, right? And so my childhood was way before the internet, right? There wasn't even an inkling of what the internet was like, right? But same thing, like early on, you know, I had a job where I just didn't want to dread getting up in the morning and doing. I had no idea what that meant. I just knew that I didn't want to work for somebody else. That's it. You know, and it wasn't until much later in life when I realized, and I thought it was money, to be honest with you. I was like, I need money, you know, it's very similar. And then much later in life, I was like, I want the freedom and flexibility. That's what I want. Right. And so I totally get where you're coming from for that. So one of the big questions that I have for you is when you were talking about that vision, trying to see what it is that you're you know, specializing in and whether you're niching down serving that customer that you already have, right? Because, you know, we know that, right? Like you get them from one zero to $1, it's much easier to get them to open up their wallet again, right? And so, was there some exercise or some thought process or something that you went through yourself to kind of put that vision together to say, hey, look, we're going to serve this, these kind of folks today, but we know that they're going to have all of these other needs and and aspirations in the future but we're going to focus two years on this right now and we'll wait on all of that other stuff was there some sort of exercise or some maybe it was even a coach or something or maybe it was just hey this is just what my brain has inside of it and i want to execute on it
0: yeah good question it was it was definitely the latter like It was always planned. that Well, not always planned, actually. The first maybe four months of podcast websites, it was very much, this is the business that we'll do probably for the next few years. But the one thing that that I'm always very keen on doing is kind of looking at where an industry is going that I'm in. To put some context on that, there are products coming out now that I tried to get our agency to build five years ago. And I'm talking like the last three weeks, there have been two products where I said, I'd text the rest of the guys before we, uh, after we got rid of the agency, I'm like, dude, come on. I said this, I said this. And I'm just very fortunate that my brain works strategically. Like I'm I'm terrible at a lot of things, but I'm good at strategy. If you say something to me or ask me a question, my brain's not answering it. It's already, it's answering like five questions down the line. That's why sometimes I'm a garbled mess of incoherence when I'm answering (laughs) questions because my brain's all over the place. It moves like that. So we always had this plan and the, the thing that we did and the reason that we, that we waited. So I'll tell you something. The first ever product that I invented in podcasting is a product called productivity, which is still not out. And that's not a negative. Everyone else, you know, you'd get a lot of people saying, God, you got to be first to market. You've got to execute. Right. But not if the industry is not ready. And it's like James Cameron only doing avatar when the effects can match his vision. Now, three, four, five, six years ago, the industry wouldn't have been able to take the startup that we've built now. It's only now through doing Captivate, like there's one particular big thing in privacy that was partly inspired by one of the releases that we put out in Captivate. And suddenly in Boston, Massachusetts, there's a symposium on privacy and Captivate is one of the big talking points because of a feature that we created to help privacy amongst listeners. No other host in the world does that. And, it's all linked. It's moving chess pieces around a ball real slowly. So that conference, like now today, one of my jobs is to go and talk to these people about this next thing that we're doing in podcasting, because it's one of those things where you have to do your time. So what I'm talking about here is that if you, if you have an idea for something and you really want to execute on it, there's nothing worse than having a great idea at the wrong time. Hmm. And so many people have done this, like agency owners, they we'll have great ideas, but what they'll do is they'll execute them for one client. Great example, gathering content. So any agency owner in the world steal this idea. There's a company out there that does it now called Orca. Five years ago, we, we, would, we were that close to releasing at the agency, six years ago, a collaboration tool to get web content from clients. because the, the last 10% of a web job as digital job is the worst part of it because getting that content is a killer. Mm-hmm. So we developed and, and we planned it and we were going to release it as a SaaS model. And the industry wasn't quite ready for it. Why wasn't the industry ready for it? Because agency owners weren't used to paying a monthly recurring revenue. Adobe had not moved from the annual license yet. It was still like, yes, CS6, CS7. They'd not moved. They'd not moved to this Adobe Creative Cloud. They just hadn't done it yet. Dropbox was still in its relative infancy. Microsoft was still by the disks. The industry wasn't ready for it. And that, I think when it comes to planning your vision out, you've got to pick your fights. Because if you have the confidence that you're a visionary then you can sit on these things and put the basics in first. Like for us, podcast websites was easy. I'm wearing a t-shirt actually today, a podcast websites t-shirt. We could land in this space in podcasting and not be a threat to anyone because no one was doing WordPress. Maybe one company, Blueberry was kind of tinkering with it and they responded with a very bizarre response to our product. It was something that was, you know, helped, frankly helped us. So, we were able to go in there and be very, very non threatening and listen and learn and apply to speak. We started speaking at the podcast conferences before I'd done like 10 podcast episodes. And we were able to go in there and learn. And then we had all these ideas and we said, well, look, actually, this is the big picture, but this is the thing we can solve next. So, let's build the academy, let's build Captivate, then let's build productivity, let's build whatever else. And the point is that if you're confident that you're moving, strategically fast enough. Physically, everyone else is going to be really far behind. So like if, if you were already thinking it, it's odds on that most other people aren't. If, if you've got a track record of thinking like that. Now, the other interesting point there is, so you ask, how do you, tr- how do you choose what to do next? How do you plan this out? You'd be very surprised about what happens when you actually just quietly R&D something. So we quietly r and D a would a lot of our products, very quietly R&D'd it the amount of people that have been user tested without knowing it. You know, I bet I've user tested 10,000 people without them even knowing. Did it at Social Media Marketing World this year. Had a real in-depth conversation about podcast sponsorships with someone. They had no idea that I was researching. But the cool thing is that if you imagine that you've got a um, product that's got like five streams of interest. So one of our products, productivity, was originally a product that could do two or three different things. And then someone came out with something that rivaled it and did one of the things, and guess what? It didn't go anywhere. And then they came out and someone else came out and did another little bit of it. Guess what? It didn't go out, didn't go anywhere. But the hard bit, the bit that's really hard, no one's doing that. And what we've been focusing on quietly is that. So now we can do that. So what you got to do is you've got to decide, actually, where can I win the fights early that will just strategically place my business? That's why I write all the articles I write. Like I wrote a 10,000 word piece on what Apple podcast is doing next. Hmm. Why do I do that? It's not because I like writing 10,000 word pieces. It's really bloody hard. But I do that so that when we release something over here or over here or over here or over here, they trust me Hmm. because everyone's seen that 10,000 word piece. And actually it makes, actually makes a fair bit of sense. Like this guy does know what he's talking about and he's put his time and he's well researched and he doesn't just say things flippantly. So if he puts that care and attention into an article, what's his product going to be like? Right. You know, so that you've got to pick those fights and strategic, it's like a, it's a long-term war, dude. You got to strategically place your people on the board, you know, hmm. I know that's a very loquacious answer. That's a very roundabout answer, but it, it really is having the confidence to know when to say no to doing something now so that you can say a really resounding yes to it later.
1: I love that. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, and you said like your research and development, just, I mean, you said you did it that. Events and things of that nature, just conversations and just seeing where the industry is going. Sometimes waiting, waiting in the weeds, so to speak, right? Like, like you said, I didn't make any noise. I was friendly for a while, right? And then let's see what happens once the market dictates certain things, let's see who comes out with what. And then are they doing the hard stuff, right? And that hard stuff, no doubt you've got that from your customer directly from your customers, right? And so having that as your people, if you will, right? Like you know, hey, these are the problems that they have. They're customers of ours already. Right. We don't have to sell to them. We just have to put the right thing in front of them at the right time.
0: Yeah. And and, and also just remember that it's the old Henry Ford quote, you know, if I gave people what they wanted, they they got faster horses. And it's also Steve Jobs, you know, his ideal with the iPad. No one wanted a tablet computer. No one one to one. They were crap, dude. Mm-hmm. They were crap. And then Jobs comes out with the iPad and Johnny Ives crushed it with the design. And suddenly, I have got no justification for buying an iPad, but I've got two. <laughs> I quit, like literally, I have no way. Like, I can watch Disney Plus on my phone. I can watch <laughs> Disney Plus on my TV. I can watch it on my laptop. But I bought an iPad and I watch it on that as well. Like, there is no justification. I can write stuff on my notebook but I write on my iPad quite literally no reasoning apart from it's just brilliant. Mm. So the point with that is that you have to spend the time deeply understanding your industry. So I understand with the industry, every product that we build, I assess it from the angle of you and I, the creator, the brand sponsoring a podcast, the production network, like Hernan and Wondry, the actual large scale podcast network that wants to create an independent set of shows. I assess it from a marketing perspective. What would the marketing, what the CMO of this brand want from this product. I assess it from you trying to sell it to your CEO. I assess it from a where is this industry going in three years and what can we do early to just start to sow the seeds of us being the thought leaders. Everything gets assessed from all those different angles and Certainly with a couple of the stuff that we've done, like, so the productivity tech, I I can't really talk too much about it right now, but when I talk to the people who I can talk about it with, when I tell them what we've developed, they're like, holy, are you kidding me? I didn't even know I needed this, but give me it now. Mm -hmm. And that's not to blow our own trumpet. That's to say that if you, if you genuinely trust yourself to know your audience, then you will definitely, definitely, definitely create something. And if you are going in a way that a lot of other people think isn't the right way, just feel that out a little bit. Like there's no point pursuing something that's just not going to fly, but just be sure before you kill it. Because actually a lot of people, they're just not visionaries. A lot of online entrepreneurs go and look at what they sell. They sell either nothing or other people's stuff. And if you're getting the advice from those guys on where your vision should be, just have a think whether that's the right place to get the advice from. And I'm saying that because that's where everyone gets their advice from these days. Now, if you have the willingness to say, and the proof to be able to say, I know my audience that well because I've done my 10,000 hours in the industry. If you're an agency owner, if you're a developer and you've done 15 years of dev, and you are confident that you can answer any question on development confidently, your gut's probably right. But if you go to a business coach, say I've got this idea for a business, it would be very easy for them to say, "No, that's not the right thing to do," because they don't have your experience or they don't share your vision, because your vision is predicated on your experience, not theirs. So you you really got to push a little bit further with your products than other people do. And you know another good example is this is Captivate with the podcast host and analytics platform. Like we do releases every Tuesday every week. We put a release out without fail. We put a release out every single week. And it's often stuff that people didn't realize they needed. Like, well, I think it was last month we did a, a one-click sponsor kit. So you want to pitch a sponsor for your podcast. What do you send them? People are new to podcasting and have got no idea. Well, you just click a button now in Captivate and it generates you a PDF pitch sheet hmm. with all your numbers in all your branding. And people didn't know they wanted that. But now they're like, how can, how did I not have this? But if you put that on a pitch sheet and send it to, to some investors, or put it on a pitch sheet and send it, to, um, a bunch of your internal team that don't quite get it. They're just, you know, maybe new hires or whatever. They're not going to, they're not going to get it. So you've got to, if you're going to do this, you've got to lead, you've got to really listen to feedback, but sometimes you are going to have to trust your gut and push forward with a lot of the stuff that people said, you know what? Not quite sure about that. Just have the confidence to go further Mm -hmm. with your testing when it comes to the vision.
1: Yeah, I think that's great. I mean, you said something there a few times that you've already said, and I want to kind of call it out is just have the confidence, right? If you know what you know, and your experience tells you one thing, just have the confidence to put it out there. Even if you get resistance, you get pushback. I mean, there's a lot of noise in the world. And the people that are giving you pushback often have such a small percentage of insights into what you're doing on a consistent basis for the past 15 years or 10 years or whatever it is. So I think that's great. Totally agree with you on that. So before I let you go, because I want to be mindful of your time, obviously, what's up next for the next six, 12 months?
0: (sighs) There's always so much um, (laughs) to have got. There's plenty going on. We've got the the the, uh, the Podcast Success Academy. That's That team's doing a bit of a rebrand of that and a relaunch of that. So just to make it very, very easy to launch and grow your podcast from a knowledge perspective. So there's a lot of learning going into that for podcasters. Of course, Captivate, the platform, the hosting analytics and marketing platform for podcasters. That is continuing to just release a heck of a lot of stuff. So we've got some very big releases coming up with that that will make podcasters' lives easier, really aimed at helping people to grow their show. So a lot of features that are coming out there. And then productivity, which is the tech, the interaction tech in podcasting, that, that'll be making its prime time debut probably, probably over the next three to five months, I think. We've got a few things to line up with that one. Um, yeah. I've been coy on that. This is a, a great example, actually, mate. I'll, I'll part on this one. We launched that brand at Podcast Movement in 2018, mm-hmm. and I got beat up a lot. And I still get beat up to this deal. Oh, look at this guy launched the band and then has not launched the product. There was a reason for that. There was a reason for that. Number one, everyone talks about it. What is this thing? What is this? Number two, it was one of those scenarios where if we'd have gone with the original launch plan, it would have been wrong. The product would have not fit the market. So you've got to have the balls to kind of slow down, stop, think and just shave, shave some of the edges off things sometimes. And that's what we do with productivity. So that's, that's the next big thing. In fact, the next thing that I'm doing after this is a call with Ed, who's, who's one of the lead developers there. So that's the next big thing. But as a part in shot, I think for anyone that's wanting to generate business, who comes from a design or a development, engineering, digital background, like you already know what people want from you because you've been doing it that long. Just have the guts to put that thing out and just listen to what people say about it. Like that is the one thing to do. So that productivity is coming up next because that's
1: what we did. Mm-hmm. I remember when you launched that and it was like just a landing page and an email. If you want to know about still this is. thing. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so this so <laughs> was like, man, it's still coming out. It's still coming. Out. And you're right, but, but it creates that curiosity. And, and you know- I have my own thoughts around what that could potentially be, but I'm not in your head. I'm not in your inner (laughs) circle or anything of that nature, but I'll be definitely interested to see when that actually launches, um, how it's going to help us as podcasters.
0: Well, actually um, I'll tell you a tiny little tale on that one, because this is a really strong lesson to learn. So the original plan for productivities, a couple of people came out with like variations of it, which, you know, they are what they are, you know, they, they do their job something happened very recently where the industry started asking for something. And we realized that we'd already built the tech to deliver this thing that they're asking for. And it just meant trimming out some of the stuff. And I mean, this is a very big industry thing. So we decided to make that so that that was the first thing people heard of productivity was a story that we could tell, which was, Hey, we were making this stuff and we're still making this stuff, but the industry's asked for all this stuff. And it looks like a fairly urgent thing for, for solving. So We decided to just slightly stop for three months and make this thing so that you guys can have it. And then, oh, and by the way, it does this other stuff that it was always intended to do as well. So the reason that I'm saying that is that there exists inevitably in every single industry, an opportunity to solve something that that industry needs. Every industry has got problems. Every industry needs something solving. And I'm not talking for you and I as creators, I'm talking at an industry level. You know, what doesn't matter what that is, every industry has it. And if you have the presence of mind to spot that, that's where you can get in early. And that kind of thing opens doors for everything else that you do. Mm. I know that's a really hard thing to articulate, but you just watch what the industry is asking for and how it's asking for it. And if you, you know what designers and developers and engineers are like, like we'll stay up all night building something, just do the thing, have a punt at it. you will be very surprised what happens.
1: Mm. Yeah. Wise words for sure. I mean, that's, I mean, I've been doing this since the late 90s, building my own business, staying up late, building things, seeing what people want. Yeah, I think that's, like you said, take a punt at it. The worst thing you can do is say, oh, I failed flat, didn't work. But I thought there was an opportunity there. Maybe you could put it in your back pocket to circle back five years later when the market tells you that they're ready for it. Then you have it already built out and you can serve it to that audience in a way. So thank you, Mark. We're gonna put all of the links in the show notes. So go check out Mark and all the things that he does at Captivate Podcast Success Academy, podcast websites, everything. Rebel based media is where you probably find it all. And Mark, we'll actually link up also your TEDx talk as well, because that was a great talk, very inspiring and very emotional, roller coaster like. Right. And so for me, that was as soon as you put that out there on your various channels, you did it slowly, but I was like, hey, this is great. And I took pause, grabbed a cup of coffee, and I just watched it. And It definitely, uh, we'll put the link. You could go ahead and grab a listen on that. Thanks again, Mark, for sharing some time with us. Where could folks reach out and say thanks?
0: well thank you buddy it's been, uh, it's been good to chat we chat all the time on Twitter and various other things so thanks for thanks for having me on dude you can just these easiest way to chat is just hit me on Twitter at Mr. Asquith at Mr. Asquith on the Twitter and we'll, uh, we'll have a bit of back and forth there but yeah thanks for having me man I appreciate this
1: yeah thanks and for all of you listening until next time it's your time to live in the feast <laughs> If you enjoyed today's episode, I can speak for both Mark and myself by saying that we'd love to hear the one takeaway you got from this episode. Super simple, in your podcast app, presumably this one that you're listening to right now, drop that in a comment or a review. Or go ahead and share it in a tweet and tag me at res. Don't forget also to hit that subscribe button so that you'll be the first to listen in next week when we dive into another success story on building your business. Till then, it's your time to live in the feast.